You're listening to the Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown. Welcome back to another edition of Municipal Month here on the Cross Border Interviews with Chris Brown. I am your host, and I am pleased and honored to have our guest on to the show today. She is the second term mayor for the town of Nanton. Uh, Jennifer Hanley is with us today to talk about herself her uh, career, but also her town. So I am honored and pleased to have you, your worship, Mayor, uh, Mayor Hanley. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you so much for having us and <laughs> highlighting municipal politics, the fun world of municipal politics. So. Exactly, the very fun world of municipal politics. But before we get into municipal politics, I want to talk about you and who you are, because I want my listeners and my viewers to know who you are. So, uh, Mayor Hanley, before we get started, I have the exact same question I've asked every single uh, level of politician who's ever come on this show, so you're no exception. Okay. Where did your sense of duty to serve come from? Uh, I would say... Primarily, I was already serving as a volunteer. I was really trying to get to know people and get to know the community. I was new to Nanton, and um, I, I was probably on six different committees. And when the election came up in 2013, for me, it just seemed like a natural progression um, to go into onto council. And um, at the time, I didn't think there was much representation of female on, females on the council or young females, young moms. And so there was, there was a calling and it, and it was exciting and nerve wracking, but for me, it just seemed right. Before we get into uh, your time as mayor, I want to continue on about that nerve wracking and that first election. I want to make sure I get this right. Back in 2013, when you first were elected, was there an issue that was passionate to you that you said, while you talked about in your opening statement there about female representation on council, was there an issue that you said, this needs to be addressed, and I believe my voice and my background would best be able to address it on council if I was so lucky to serve as a municipal councillor for the town of Nanton. Yeah, Chris, you know, honestly, there was no pressing issue in my mind. Um, for me, it did come down to representation. Um, everybody at that time on council, it, they were primarily retired. Um, there was one other woman who was retiring as well from council, and there was no young moms. And I felt that that perspective was, was quite important and needed. We were a, a really a young community, and um, I just felt that I had a voice and something of value to offer to the town. Did you, did you have a, ba a political background? Did you know about the issues that were going on in municipal politics? Because you, you, I, I have had many municipal councillors come on this show who say, I got involved because X, Y, and Z. And then when they get elected, it's going, oh, I didn't expect X, Y, and Z to be A through Z as well. 
Mm -hmm. um, so I've always followed politics. Um, I, I was paying attention to what was happening with the town of Manhattan, but really had no idea what to expect. Um, and what and it was probably good that way, actually. I, I was a blank slate, essentially, coming on to council, um, really keen to learn, really keen to understand what made the town tick and why decisions were being made and how decisions were being made. Um, so it was probably better coming in at, in that state for sure. That very first moment you get elected in 2013, there must be a weight on your shoulders at that moment um, because now your decisions that you are making at the council table are going to affect the day-to-day -day lives of not only yourself, but your neighbors, your uh, little league friends, who your kids' friends and their parents. So was there a sense of, oh gosh, what have I gotten into when you first got elected and you had to pass that first budget? Because in Alberta, you get elected and budget season's right there with you. So was there a sense of overwhelming uh, responsibility for you when you first got elected in 2013? Yeah, absolutely. There's a sense of excitement um, and eagerness to get, to just get going. And then as you said, that budget is dropped on you almost immediately. And so you're working off of um, a previous council's agenda. And so you're putting a lot of trust in staff and the previous council's um, decisions and direction. But at the same time, you have a new council with their ideas raring to go, like, how do we, how do we do this? And the reality is you don't, you can't do that right away. You really have to ask as much questions as you can, um, but to start changing the direction immediately, um, there was a lot of push and pull to get that budget passed because we didn't understand, we didn't, um, we didn't know the context behind a lot of it, we thought we did, um, based off of our own narratives and um, ideals, but um, really it, it was a tough slog those first few months for sure. How do you balance that? Because you're in a unique position. You've been elected, re-elected twice after that first election in 2013, uh, and you are now mayor. How is how hard is it to balance what you heard at the doorsteps in that first election compared to what the outgoing councillors, because you said there was a few retirements in that 23 election, uh, 2013 election, I apologize. So how hard was it to balance that need of sort of change but need of stability as well <laughs> yeah and in 2013 there was only two returning members of oh, council wow. so there was five of us that were new including a brand new mayor who'd never been on council before um so we were all fairly green and in hindsight i can say that at the time it was you know we all felt we knew what we needed to do to move the town forward and um, so at that time I was elected as a councillor and I'm grateful that I started on council and then progressed into the role of mayor with that background. Um, but I would say, yeah, 
it took time to really understand. And when I was first elected as mayor, I was able to explain that to the incoming councillors to, to be patient with themselves, that yes, we all have our ideas and our goals, um, but to those first few months, you're there to listen and to learn and to understand the organization. And then you can start to really implement your own agendas, your own initiatives, those things that you ultimately ran on. Um, but to start coming in like a bull in a china shop, it frustrates the staff, it, it stalemates counsel. Um, again, I learned that the hard way it took, it was a tough first year for sure. We, we, we look back because the, we are coming up to the one-year anniversary of the last election. So 2021 was the last election in Alberta, and we're looking back on the last year because municipalities have faced some overwhelming challenges over the last three years, I would say three years, with the pandemic. And I say that with all respect to people who believe it was easy, some who say it was hard, but municipalities had a blunt force of that first line of closing up uh, recreational facilities, closing up parks, and you were the eyes and ears of the people who were upset that these things were happening. Before we talk about the last year, I want to know from you, how did the town of Nanton survive during the COVID-19 pandemic, which by the looks of it, and I say this with all apprehensive, we are on the other side. <laughs> Let's hope so. Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't easy. I, I you know, <laughs> it wasn't easy at all. Um, you know, we saw our town divided. There was so much uncertainty for nearly two years. We never knew what was coming next from the province. Um, we, you know, one of the things, and I'll kind of go back to what you were talking about earlier as far as learning the ropes of council. And I tell all the new councillors that come on, give yourself 18 months. You learn two budgets and you really learn what the municipal government acts and how to be effective in that. But equally you learn that you are representing the town as a whole. You're not there to appease the loudest voices. You're not there to appease your clients or your best friends. You are there for the town as a whole. And so that was kind of our motto throughout all of COVID, what is best for the town, what is best for our staff and how do we keep the town going? And one of the decisions we made very early on in council was that we were not going to stop everything because we were in a pandemic. We we're going to continue to focus on our capital projects. We we're going to continue to focus on our strategic plan. And if anything, it gave our administration more time to do that because they're not dealing with the public as much and those emergent issues. So they were really able to hunker down and we were able to stay very focused on what we needed to do with our current plans, as well as of course, dealing with the uncertainty and the pandemic. You, you just mentioned something that I, I love bringing up later on, but you brought it up. So I'm gonna play in the sandbox for a little bit for a while, if you don't mind. And that is as council, you are there to represent the town. You're not there to represent the area that you're elected or for those who have wards. I, if I'm not mistaken, the town of Nantons is a at-large elections, correct, for their councillors and mayor? Yeah. Yeah. 
So I just wanted to put that on the record. When you first get elected, it's particularly a, a new green councillor, say in 2013, you have your pet projects that you want to deal with. You have that that street you want paved, that that sidewalk that you want cracked, that sidewalk in front of my neighbor's house that's cracked and it's been cracked for 12 years and we need to fix it. But when you're a council, you have to look at it as a big picture. Is it hard as the mayor of for two terms now to get council to start thinking that way because you always have to remember at the end of the day we're not doing it for x y and z resident we're doing it for all residents yeah yeah and it's it's conversations i have right from day one and it's constantly reminded at almost nearly every meeting we have and especially so during strategic planning and budget season um, because because it is difficult, you do see those counselors that ran for for very personal reasons, and and you do want to make their time on council worthwhile, um, but you also have to prioritize and make sure that all of council is supportive of of what other counselors' initiatives are. And so it is a balance that you're constantly weighing and, you know, you're dealing with emergent issues. So we might be going down one path and have a very clear direction, but something could happen that immediately we need to find money for and everything else put on the back burner. So what I do tell counselors is you're, it's a long game. So yes, you might not be seeing those results for several years, but know that they're not going anywhere. We are striving to get there, but you have to be patient. Is it hard to say no to residents? Because residents always believe that their tax dollars are the tax dollars that need to fix my pave, my driveway, my pothole in front of my house. Is it hard as a mayor and a councillor to look at a uh, resident and say, while I would love to help you, this area is more dire need than this right now. While you believe your issue is the most pressing, we have to look at it as a bigger issue. Yeah, and as a perpetual people pleaser, I think that was my the largest hurdle that I had to overcome um, in my first couple of years of council because that's what I do. I, I make everything right, or I try to make everything right. And you learn very quickly that you will always have someone disappointed in you. Um, you will always have people that will never speak to you again. And of course, being in a small town, this is our part-time job. We all have careers and businesses that we run in our community. And so it is this delicate balance that I know sometimes the decisions I make will affect my business um, outside of council. And so when I make a decision, when we talk as council, we, we make these decisions knowing that we're making the best decision with the information we have. Um, and that we that we can sleep at night. We're not trying to hurt anyone, but we are making those decisions for the best of Nanjin in the long run. And unfortunately, yeah, there's always going to be someone disappointed in those decisions. Being a mayor of a small town, you you know everyone. You will know everyone. And I can imagine going to the grocery store or to go fill up gas or to go watch a baseball game or a soccer game in the summer or a hockey game is hard because you will be asked many questions over and over again. How do you balance that? How does the mayor of Nanton balance mayor life and mom life? 
<laughs> well, yeah. And so when I first got up council, my kids were eight and six. Oh. Um, they're, they're 17 and 15 right now. And so it has been a balance because a lot of, you know, I've grown up with these families or, you know, I've babysat our kids. And so you, you go to these hockey games, you go to the sports and dance. And for sure, you know, I know whenever I'm out on the streets of Canton, I am the mayor. And, um, so I, I do balance that time and I'm very aware and prepared that as soon as I leave my house to go anywhere, I have that mayor hat on, you can't escape it. Um, one of the things I actually stopped doing after I became mayor was going to the mailbox for whatever reason. So it's, it's classic town, small corner mailbox and everybody goes, mail comes at 11. And that, that always bothered me to be stopped there. Maybe it's because I used to just go, you know, I'd have my jogging pants on and I'd go and collect the mail and it was just a, a casual thing and I was never really prepared. Um, so that was just one odd thing that I know. It's just my family does the mail now. <laughs> I love it. I love the small personal details that we we learn in this show. Um, we could talk about you for probably an hour because you seem like a very personal person and you seem like a very engaging person. But I want to move to the town of Nanton now. And that is one of the reasons why we wanted to do this, uh, this month-long series of shows is to learn about the municipalities that make up this great country of ours and our great province. And I, I have had the pleasure to go through Nanton a few times. Uh, I've stopped and I visited some of the museums there, but I want to know from you, and this, and I, I should prerequisite, this is uh, Mayor Hanley and I talking right now. This is not on a council decision. This is a mayor and a host talking. So one-on-one. -on -one. Sounds good. Well, you are one year into your second term as mayor. How has it been? How has the last year been? Because we have been coming through the pandemic. We have been recovering. We are, we are now back to, I think, full operations for a lot of municipalities right now. How has the town of Manhattan been over the last year since being reelected? Yeah, I would say, you know, on top of everything that we're dealing with, th there is still a division in society. Um, and I do think led by upper government and other higher levels of politics. And so people feel very frustrated, no matter what level of um, politics you're in. So it was definitely a temperature I felt during the election. I'm, it seems to be softening a little bit more at the municipal level, but during the election, um, it was the first time I really saw the town kind of divided on issues. Um, a lot of the issues much broader than what a municipality needs to deal with, um, primarily pandemic related and, and the economy at that time. But, but we're still, we're, we're the faces, we're the faces you see at the grocery stores and we're accessible. And especially when those property taxes are coming out of your bank account every month, you're seeing it. So there's a, it seems like it's a higher level of accountability at our level. So there was definitely that temperature in our town. Um, we actually had one of the newly elected councillors pass away shortly after the election. So we ended up having a by-election. So we ended up going through two elections in a six-month period, um, which was a little bit to, to get the new council started. We wanted to hold off till the next councillor was elected. 
Um, but yeah, you know, I think like any community, we're still wondering what's happening at a provincial level and, and what does that balance look like as far as future funding? Which we'll talk about in a few seconds, but I want to put, pose this question to you. And I've posed this question to every councillor and mayor and Reeve who sat down for this segment, this show, uh, this series of shows that we're doing in October. What is the biggest challenge you believe is facing the town of Nanton today? Aging infrastructure. What do you mean? So pretty much every building, every um, pipeline, every everything that we own as far as infrastructure has met its expiration date. So um, finding the resources and to upgrade those items, it, it's very difficult to maintain those items within the budgets that we have. It's extremely difficult to prioritize which projects we need to do um, and to assess the the dire situation in some of in some parts of our town, it, it is very complicated. So, um, you know, so how how is the how's the council dealing with that? Because that seems like a very, very uh, big issue. And I think you may not be the only municipality that's dealing with aging infrastructure, but you're the first one who has said that is the biggest priority that you, as mayor, need and the town needs to address moving forward. Mm-hmm. How do you, how are you going to deal with the aging infrastructure where, let's be honest, people are struggling to get by and a 1%, 2%, 3% increase on taxes could be hard for them? Well, and that, that is the, the struggle that we have is that knowing in a smaller town, our taxes, our property taxes will always be higher than those larger municipalities, simply because we have less people contributing to major infrastructure needs. And so it really, for us, it's understanding the scopes of the problem and prioritizing and really aligning with some incredible engineers um, that help us lobby the government, having great relationships with our MLAs and um, other people within the ministries to help guide us through these issues. But yeah, it's it's really, it's prioritizing those issues. and. And there is no easy answer to it because it's it's literally everything. <laughs> so how do you prioritize something that is everything? How do you prioritize? And because at the end of the day, you now have to sort of, and I hate to use this analogy, but play God and say, pick and choose which one is going to get the best, the funding first and hope hope some higher power is going to keep the other aging infrastructure alive enough that it's not going to cause more problems down the line. Yeah, and I would say with every infrastructure issue we have, so for example, our water treatment plant, it's nearly 40 years old. Um, we need a new reservoir for that. Our distribution lines are aging and we're finding major leaks throughout our distribution lines and um, our wastewater treatment plant, although it's relatively new built in 2017, is having issues as well. And so, and also we need a new clinic and a new seniors lodge and a new school. So I would say all of those issues are being addressed in parallel. So we have people working on them at any given time and we have a file on each. And it's not necessarily a matter of, of prioritizing. It's a matter of, all right, we're gonna submit everything for this grant and we are going to talk to as many people that will listen. And we've had 
a lot of successes with our grant applications. But for us, it's been more, our focus in the last four years has been about preventative maintenance. And so understanding the true condition of our assets so that we can extend the life of those assets until we get the proper funding. Because really our municipality, our taxpayers, we cannot afford to, to take this on on our own. Um, we have very little debt and we know that in order to qualify for grants, we'll have to likely use um, portions of that debt or our reserves in order to fund, for, fund these major projects. Are you getting any feedback? Because uh, for transparency's sake, for those who are listening to this outside, because we have a very large following outside the province of Alberta, the uh, province of Alberta is currently going through a leadership race to, to declare who the next premier of Alberta is going to be on October 10th or 6th. I forget the exact date. Please correct me if I'm wrong. If anyone knows that, send me an email and I'll file it in the correct location. Um, but are you hearing about infrastructure from politicians right now in this race, or are you trying to make it an issue? Because uh, we're going to talk about it in a few seconds here, but I know you you were one of the co-signers for the RCMP uh, and the changes that the provincial government has addressed. Has Have you sent a letter about infrastructure to the leadership candidates, but also the premier, Jason Kenney, right now? Yeah, we are kind of in this purgatory right now, if you will. <laughs> um, you said it, I did not. I'm just putting that out there right now. Where, where we, want, we want to stay relatively politically neutral and allow the parties to do what they need to do to find their leader. Um, certainly, if candidates and candidates have reached out personally to ask us what issues that is facing, um, one of the candidates, um, one of the lead candidates is actually in our riding. And so, um, you know, she certainly had some conversations with council, but we are, we are trying to deal with the ministers that are currently in play and, but we are prepared to pivot if those ministers change pretty much in November. And so that's constantly what we're doing, but making sure that the bureaucrats in those departments have the information they need. And, um, and then we'll see what we're dealing with in October. No, and understandable. And that's what we all, we're all in that same position right now. And a lot of municipalities are. Um, I want to ask this follow-up question to the original question in this segment. And that is, while you're pressing issues, the aging infrastructure, what's the next issue? Because we always look at the first in the first issue as the important issue, but we, there's always that back burner issue that says, you know what, if we fix the infrastructure problem tomorrow, that's great, but we still have this other issue that we have to deal with. Ferdinand, what's that other issue? I would, I would say um, sustainability of our property taxes. It is very difficult for a town of our size to compete um, with towns like High River or even Calgary, all within driving distance. And so something we constantly hear is, is the cost of our property taxes. Although they're, they're middle of the road for towns of our size, it's something that constantly needs to be kept top of base is that it, eventually we're gonna be tapped out and um, you know, we're not just dealing with that, we're dealing with the cost of 
water and, and wastewater services to our town. We're dealing with costs that are being downloaded from the province and imposed into our property taxes. And so those are items that we are constantly pushing back on and fighting and, and really just trying to keep a reasonable um, mill rate for our residents. That's that's practical for the days that we live in. One of the issues that's potentially going to be downloaded here or changed is uh, the RCMP. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because you were one of the first uh, mayors in uh, Alberta to come out and say, this is not what the town of Nanton needs. This is not what we need. We, we are okay with the RCMP in our community. Why? Why, why were you, why was this a big issue for you to say, okay, enough's enough. We need to be on record to say we, we like the RCMP or we believe the RCMP is a benefit to our town. Yeah, and um, we were in a unique position where a former councillor last term, uh, Councillor Wickett, was actually a retired RCMP officer. So he gave us a lot of insight into the organization and how it works in small towns. Um, so that really helped push us along. But one of the main things that we were dealing with for the last four years is that the province actually did start charging municipalities for RCMP services, adding upwards to 50 to $80,000 a year for the last four years to our municipal budget. And for us, that is nearly 2% of our budget added for four years. Um, so we were already outraged. Here we are paying for RCMP services. We're not getting any additional service for that um, $80,000 that we're paying. And in fact, we were short staffed. And so we actually started lobbying the RCMP directly and letting them know what the issues were in Nanton specifically. And we were very vocal um, with the current government as well as on social media and other municipalities to let them know um, that the direction that they are going seeking an Alberta police force is not the right fit for small towns. And we worked hard over the last three years to build up our RCMP department to make sure that it was fully staffed. But not just that, was we worked hard to increase the communication with them. They come to our meetings every two months now. We, were, we are in sync. We know what issues are faced during our town. We didn't have that three years ago. And it took us working with them and opening that line of dialogue. And I would hate to lose anything that we've built. Um, I have great respect for our CMP officer. And I do not feel that the province can afford, we, I should say, our council do not feel that our province can afford this service that they're going is the residents of the town of Nanton on board with you as well on this? Are they in favor of the, the uh, communities keeping the RCMP? Yes, the majority of the residents have supported us fully on this. And let's be honest, uh, you can never get 100% of community buy-in no matter what you do, it seems like, as a former <laughs> municipal employer. Um, no, no. <laughs> how do you deal with that? I wasn't going to ask that question, but let's talk about it anyway. How do you deal with passing decisions that you know may not be the best uh, for everyone, but it's going to help the town in general? Because you, 
I hate to say it this way, but you as mayors and counselors, you you hear the good, the bad, and the ugly all the time. So how do you make decisions best for the town with the idea in the back of your head saying, I know resident B, A, and Z are going to be upset about this, but at the end of the day, I don't care because this is the best for the community. Yeah. <laughs> it's never easy. Um, I always I always have those residents in the back of my mind knowing knowing what they're going to say. You know, there's there's certain ones that we know are really not going to be palatable, certain decisions that we make that that will affect way more people, but we know in the long run it's important for our town. Um, so we might have more people disappointed in those decisions. How do we deal with it? We deal it's with it because does it come down to communication? Sorry, does it come down to communications? Because uh, I know that's where my background is, is municipal communications. And I can tell you that the, I've dealt with numerous residents when I was working for the town, a town uh, that you knew they were going to say something no matter what. And you, you, you reached out to them, you explained to them and they're like, thank you. Thank you for telling me exactly what I needed to tell. I'm just angry that I didn't know about it beforehand. And now I do. Yeah, and for me, that's definitely the role that I've taken on pretty much since the time I joined council. I found that communications was my strength and something that I always advocated. And so similar to our infrastructure with preventative maintenance, we call it proactive communication. So trying to get ahead of the discussion, trying to get as much information out so that people cannot say, well, you didn't tell us. Um, and one of the things I learned when I was first elected, I took a course on economic development for municipal elected officials. And one of the things they said was you cannot expect people to come to you. You need to go to people with your message. And it's always stood out. And, you know, have you having worked in <laughs> municipal um, bureaucracy, well, they could have gone to the website to get the information, or they could have come to the town office and read the bulletin board and got that information. And in these changing days, that's just not the reality. You have to get that message out in the broadest way that you can. And you could, you could pin it on their door and they still might not see it. Um, and the message has to be consistent and it can't just go out once, it has to go out several times. Um, and I, I've always been really engaged in social media. And even when I see the chatter online or, you know, the misinformation online, I used to jump in and correct with facts and kind of just get out just as quick. Um, those days have changed a little bit. It, it, the political temperatures changed. I don't feel as comfortable jumping into those conversations. So I try to just put the facts on my own personal page rather than engaging in the conversation. And what I've learned is, is people will believe what they want to believe. Even if all of the facts are there for them, there, some will just assume that there's some nefarious reason behind a decision and there's nothing I can do to change that mindset. And, and it's interesting seeing the newer counselors coming in and pushing for more communication and, you know, we've got to get to this, and we've got to do that. And, and also me trying not to be exhausted. Well, oh, well, well we've tried that. They're just not going to listen. We have to be open to what the newer counselors are seeing because they were those residents just six months ago and they have so much value to bring to that conversation so 
I agree wholeheartedly. Um, I want to turn to my last segment now because I'm just cautious of time because I know you're a busy woman and I want to make sure you get back to your job, but also your role as mayor as well. Um, And that is, this is going to be a weird question, but it's the question that I usually like to wrap up with during these interviews. And that is, Mary Hanley, what makes the town of Nanton so unique? I believe that Nanton is unique in, and it it really shone through for me during the pandemic. I tell everybody this, Nanton just insulated, Nanton protected itself and Nanton thrived because we had each other's backs and businesses started up, Main Street was thriving. Everybody was shopping in town, keeping our residents, our restaurants open and I, and really, I'm a city girl through and through. I was born and raised in Calgary and landed in Nettin 15 years ago. And I've never seen a sense of community and um, dedication to keeping our town going. When there is an issue, we find a way to make it happen. We connect the people to move things forward. And um, I don't know if it's unique, but to me, that is unique and that is what makes Nettin special. If I was a tourist coming through your town tomorrow, what are a few spots that you would highly recommend to a tourist of your uh, community? Yeah, so we are also super fortunate because we have so many great experiences here in Nantan. Of course, the Bomber Command Museum of Nantan is one that stops everybody. Um, so making sure you, you stop in and see the history from World War One and World War Two. Check out when the bomber um, the bomber airplane is out. They actually start up the engines, and you can see this engine running, and it will always take your breath away. Um, we have our old grain elevators that um, are doing amazing things and they're hosting concerts inside the grain elevators throughout the summer. And they also have drive-in movie theaters screened on the elevators. So that is something that's incredible and that's just started up during the pandemic. Um, we've got our rodeo grounds where some of the biggest cowboys in the world start and um and then of course one thing I always tell people kind of the secret little gem of Nanton is we have a place called Coot Center where Jim Coot's um family homestead used to be and it is this beautiful garden and artist residency that's maintained by the University of Lethbridge and it's only five minutes outside of Nanton and it's like the Devonian Gardens um of Alberta it's it's incredible so I oh, I feel bad. Like I've gone through your community so many times and now I feel like I've missed so much. A, I didn't know you could go inside the grain elevators. B, I didn't know you the bomber did start up. So next summer, I'm going to be doing some tourist destinations in Nantes. I can tell you that much for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, Mayor, Your Worship, I want to thank you so much for doing this. I, I know I said 40 minutes. We're just at the 40 minutes mark now. So I want to thank you so much for sitting down and talking about your community yourself, but also uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to do this because I know uh, municipal politics is uh, is a unique beast and I love it. And I just hope people enjoy our conversation, but also enjoy and get out and actually explore some of these communities that I'm talking about. So thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.
So with that, I want to remind everyone, this has been the Crossboard Interviews with Chris Brown. Put down your social media account for at least five minutes a day. Go have a conversation with somebody. It helps our democracy. It helps our society and helps us be a better people at the end of the day. So with that, my name is Chris Brown. Have yourself an excellent day. And remember, keep talking. Cross-Border Interviews with Chris Brown was produced and edited by Miranda Brown Associates Incorporated. To learn more about us, visit crossborderinterviews.ca.